So have you read the book Unbroken by Laura Hillenbrand? Uh, it's actually an older book. You probably have uh, uh, read it. Anybody has, have, how many of you have read it? It's, 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 it is probably, I would suggest, it may be the best, one of the best books I've ever read uh, because it is a true story about a gentleman by the name of Louis Zamperini. Uh, Louis was a high school runner who became an Olympian, and he ran in the 1936 Olympics. I believe he ran the, the uh, one-mile race. Uh, then uh, World War II started, and he became a bombardier, signed up to be a bombardier for, uh, on a plane over the South Pacific, and he was shot down. His plane was shot down. He and members of his crew were adrift in the Pacific Ocean. Uh, he actually was shot down twice. They were found by a second plane. The second plane was shot down, and only two members, he and two members of his crew survived that second crash, and they survived 47 days in a life raft that, had, that was leaking uh, uh, a, tr a tremendous, uh, a tremendous leak. They just had to, they just worked so hard for 47 days to find water, to do these things. They were then found by a Japanese cruise ship, and they were sent to a prisoner of war camp in Japan. And Louis and others were tortured by the guards there mercilessly. And the book tells that incredible true story of Louis's life. It's an incredible story. It's, it's like he, every piece of his life story, like how, how could a man live this kind of life? And then the story gets really good. Because Louis is rescued. He... Uh, 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 World War II, uh, he, uh, is, uh, uh, the, the soldiers eventually get to that camp and he is uh, uh, released from the camp and he's sent back to the United States and Louis ends up with uh, PTSD. It's undiagnosed in the 1950s, but he has post-traumatic stress disorder and his life kind of goes into a tailspin. His marriage is a wreck. He's an alcoholic. He's struggling with anger and he has nightmare upon nightmare upon nightmare about a Japanese prison guard named the bird, and the bird is constantly haunting his life. And then the story gets really good. Louis in Los Angeles, and he happens upon a Billy Graham crusade. And while I'm just emotional today, <laughs> this is just crazy. The guy that doesn't like to cry. I actually stole one from my daughter. <laughs> he hears about Jesus. And his life is altered. Incredibly changed. Now they made a movie about that. And they left out the best part. They didn't talk about the life change after Jesus. That's the best part of the story. Because Louis, for the rest of his life then, he just died recently, for the rest of his life, got to tell the hero story of Jesus. All those other things that happened were just set up for this hero story that he was going to tell about Jesus. And I tell you that story because I believe we all have a story. We all have a story about who Jesus has become to us. 
or who Jesus is becoming. And so here's what we want you to do. Uh, we, we are, and I'm not, I'm not a, uh, uh, not Reddit. What's that other group that you can go on social media? It's not called Reddit. It's, um, no, it's, I don't know. All right, anyway, there's this group you can type in things and then it gives you ideas. Well, there's this thing called a joy jar. Pinterest. I'm not a Pinterest guy, all right? But somebody else was. Sorry, we had a long way to get there. Uh, and so, uh, so we wanted to create a Jesus jar. Instead of a joy jar, we're doing Jesus jars. If you don't know what joy jars are, that's okay, because we're doing something different called Jesus jars. But let me share with you what we're going to do with that. Is We want you, you were given a piece of paper on the way in the door and a pen. Uh, you, we want you just to, to write down uh, what do you love about Jesus? What draws you towards Jesus? Or what does Jesus mean to you? And let me give you some thoughts on that if you need some help in that. At the end of the message, you have this whole message time to be thinking about what you want to write on that paper. And what we're going to ask you to do is, is we want to create a, a Jesus jar of these things that we believe about Jesus that are, we're drawn to, that we love about him. And so I'm going to ask you, you can crumble it, you can fold it, whatever you want to do. But we want to put some texture to it so that they actually, we don't just want a flat stack of papers in there, okay? We'll make some, we want to fill up that space. So we want you to crumble those up a little bit, uh, fold them up, whatever it takes to, and you're going to put them there a little bit later. But here's some thoughts I had last, during last month's series. See, I love talking about Jesus. I, I, if I, I could just, uh, and whenever I do a small group Bible study, I find that I get stuck talking about Jesus all the time. Uh, so I'm doing a small group on Tuesday nights. We meet here in the community center uh, in one of these different rooms, and, and it depends on what Tuesday where we're meeting because I can't figure that part out, but uh, we meet in a different room. And, uh, and every time we decided uh, we're just going to talk about Jesus stories because Jesus stories are just filled with so much life and they're filled with so much grace and they're filled with so much love. And so, so just last month, we talked about Nicodemus and, and I thought if I were writing, or if Nicodemus were here and he were filling out one of those papers, he might write the word like trust or safety, because in the middle of the night, he came and he found that he could be comfortable and safe around Jesus. If the woman at the well were here and she were writing out the paper, which we talked about a few weeks ago as well, she would write that I could have an honest conversation, that I felt love because of Jesus. If the disciples on the road to Emmaus, which was talked about last week, he, they might, if they were here, they might write understanding, or they might write challenge, or they might write power, but they would write a word. And so I tried to think, what are the words, what are the words that I would write? And, and I knew this was coming, and so I kind of been cheating. And so I've been thinking, would it be the word love, or would it be the word adoption, or would it be the word grace? or guidance, or hope? Would it be strength, or light, or wisdom, or grace? But what are, what is a word, or what are the words that draw you to, that it drew you, that brought you to Jesus? What does Jesus mean to you? And so that's going to be a challenge for a little bit later, but I wanted to let you know, and as that's uh, uh, unfolding. I'll be offering you some other words that might be part of uh, what you would write down on there. We're not going to ask you to put your name or anything like that. It's just going to be a um, between you and God. So I have to confess that I am a Lord of the Rings geek. 
Uh, I, I uh, read those books when I was uh, a teenager and loved those stories. They're the only movies that I actually went to on opening night. And I would go early and stand in line. I didn't dress up like a character, but I did go early and stand in line. I couldn't wait to see those movies on opening night. I loved them. And so I want to talk just briefly about the story of Frodo in The Lord of the Rings. So Frodo is a hobbit who's just living his regular life. He's just kind of doing his thing. It's kind of an unremarkable story of Frodo. But he happens to own a ring that was given to him by his uncle. And what he discovers as the story unfolds is this is not just a regular ring. That Frodo has no idea that this ring is going to draw him into a larger, grander story. It's going to draw him into a dangerous story that will lead him through a battle between good and evil. And Frodo begins to understand as the story unfolds that his part in this large story is going to change his life forever. And more importantly, what Frodo discovers is that he starts to live into this bigger story. And as he does, he discovers that how he lives matters immensely and that the choices he makes matter towards this bigger story. And so as I said earlier, uh, we believe here at Hope that we are in the process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. And we say that, and I, don't, I hope I don't say that flippantly or easily, because I think that's a story, that's a big story, and it thrusts us immediately into a grander story. It's a ring that we're unaware of how this ring has incredible power and opportunity for us. See, I believe that we can experience the divine love that can save us and give us a new reason to live. I believe that we can respond to a sto the story of God and allow Jesus to write and rewrite our story. And that we can experience a transformation that comes when God's story becomes our story. And that we want everyone to have a Jesus hero story. That's our desire. That is my desire as your pastor. I want to know that you all have had a Jesus hero story. That you can write on a page, here's what I love most about Jesus. Here's what has drawn me to Jesus. And that is a beautiful thing. But there's a bigger story. There's a bigger story than just that. And until we realize the bigger story, we are only living a smaller story. Jesus saves us, and that is wonderful. And I remember finding that and discovering that for the first time. And it was, it was compelling, and it was exciting, and it, and it changed my life. But then when I discovered there was a bigger story than that, and that my story was part of this bigger, grander story that God has for all of us, I decided to give my whole life and career to that, that it became that important, that there's a bigger story, a bigger journey where how we live life matters. It's a story of redemption, but not just redemption for ourselves, but redemption for the whole world. 
And so I want us to read from uh, Ephesians chapter 1. So we're doing this study over the next uh, six weeks on Ephesians. And if, if the Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Ephesians were here today and we were to ask him, hey, how would you summarize the book of Ephesians? What would you say the book is about? I would think that he might say, well, it's the constitution of the church. It's what I have to say about who the church is and how the church should function and how the church can live. That it's a story bigger than just you and I. It's a grander story. And the agenda of this story is that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so up on the screen uh, will be a few verses from Ephesians chapter 1. Oh, also I want to mention to you a little challenge for you over these next few weeks as you're, uh, sorry Meredith, I'm all over the place. Uh, as, you're, uh, uh, as you're going through this series, let me challenge you to maybe read Ephesians for your devotions. Uh, if, if you don't do that, you can begin now. This would be a great way to do that. And here's, here's my challenge, how you might want to do that, is there's six chapters to Ephesians. So you can read one chapter a day and you'll have the whole book done in six days. You can take Sunday off. All right, And then you can do that over six weeks. It's a great way to do a study is just to read it. Uh, maybe write down a thing or two. You don't even have to do that or underline a thing, but you don't have to do that either. Just read a chapter each day. Uh, and then next week when you show up, uh, you'll be like, man, I read the whole book of Ephesians. And then you can um, do it again the following week. And for the next six weeks, read through Ephesians. I'm doing that uh, partly because I'm preaching the series, uh, but also because it's a great habit. It's a great way to, uh, to see some additional insights that I won't bring out or one of the other uh, presenters won't bring out. So uh, let me encourage you to do that. So up on the screen, there'll be a few verses from Ephesians chapter 1. It's, uh, it's up there now. It says this, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. Now, Paul talks a lot about a plan in this first chapter. And this is the plan. I love when there's words like that because you're like, all right, the next part must really be important because, and this is the plan. At the right time, he, God, will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Everything, 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 said three times in those verses. Going on to verse 12. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance. You guys know what inheritance is, right? It's someone else's earnings given to you. He'll give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. And this is the plan, Paul said. At the right time, God will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and earth. And so God's plan is bigger than just my story and your story. 
God's plan is bigger than this campus and the Voorhees campus, but it's part of a bigger story. Here is the bigger story, is that God wants to bring everything together in heaven and earth. Let me kind of offer some ideas here. So whenever the word heaven is talked about, it's the idea is that when wherever God reigns, that's heaven, okay? God reigns. God's in charge, right? So we, we well, I'll get to that later. Uh, so, and earth is anything that's under different control, all right? So in Genesis chapter 3, humanity's fall broke everything. Everything broke in, in Genesis when, when Adam and Eve, the story of Adam and Eve eating that first piece of fruit, it broke everything. Now, in the last book of the Bible, we're on a little sidetrack here for just a second. In Revelation chapter 21, you can read it yourself later for homework when you're not reading Ephesians. In Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, the Apostle John, he's writing about the future. And he says in those verses that God's going to recreate the heavens and the earth. Now, the word there used is create, and or, or in English is create. But the Greek word gives us a little bit of a different understanding. See, some people believe that Revelation 21 is talking talking about a new earth and a new heaven. But the Greek word is better understood to mean recreate. See, so Christianity then isn't about getting a ticket to heaven and leaving this God-forsaken place. That's more an evacuation plan. See, this isn't about God scrapping the earth and starting over. This is about God stripping it down to its studs and cleaning out the junk and making it new again. See, John says heaven is coming down to earth, that God's reign and control is coming here, that heaven is going to invade earth, and heaven is going to join earth, and God's reign is going to be over it all. I would suggest it's more like fixer-upper in that they see a beautiful home that just needs some rehabbing done to it. That the bigger picture is, is that the kingdom is near, that the dream of God is here, and that heaven is invading earth. Yesterday morning on the news, I was watching the news, and because of global warming, coffee plants are being affected. All of a sudden, I became more and more concerned. <laughs> so we need to do our part to save coffee, because I want coffee for eternity. See, in the carnation, a piece of heaven came to earth, right? We believe that God came to earth, God wrapped in flesh. And in the ascension, when Jesus was resurrected, a piece of earth went to heaven. And so with that action of Jesus, the kingdom of God is at hand and it's near and it's here. Heaven and earth are colliding and commingling in God's kingdom. And one day they will be one again. God's bringing everything together. And so your story and my story are part of God's bigger story, and Jesus is the center of it all, everything. So Paul says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills, what's it say? All things everywhere with himself. Paul loves repetition. All things, all things, all things. I think he's 
talking about all things. That God through Jesus is bringing redemption to the whole world, all things. Not only people, but bringing unity to a broken and divided world, all things. That Jesus is filling, Paul says, all things everywhere with himself. That God's reign is near and God's reign is here. That everything, everywhere, and all things. So that means that Jesus is filling everything. Thing and all things. So the grocery store, the dry cleaners, the gas station, your work, your school, the doctor's office, Panera, Starbucks, and even the diner everywhere. Jesus is filling all things. And how? The church. We bring heaven to the places we go. See, when Jesus walked on earth, he would send his disciples out and they would announce that the kingdom of God was near or the kingdom of God was here. And Jesus then, in an earthly body, would enter those communities and he would bring healing and he would bring unity to broken lives. But now, we are the body of Jesus. And so we are the bringing of healing and unity, filling everywhere we go. And in doing this, we are announcing the kingdom of God is near. Even when we pray, there are times where we will pray the Lord's Prayer, and we pray that, what do we pray? We pray, your kingdom come, your will be done as it is in heaven. That prayer is You're praying that God will fill all things everywhere with himself because wherever God reigns, God fills, right? And wherever God fills something, God reigns over it because God is the king. Now, we struggle with kingdom language, you know, because we don't have a king. We don't really understand kingdom language. Kings are are from a different world for us. Uh, Brian McLaren wrote a book a long time ago called The Secret Message of Jesus, And he offers some different language besides kingdom language, saying the same thing. And and, uh, the one that I find most beautiful and fits most well, and I actually prefer it even more than kingdom language, is dream. He said that, let's talk about it as the dream of God. That when we would pray the Lord's Prayer, instead of that your kingdom come, your will be done as it is in heaven, we would say, God, may your dreams for your creation come true. Because just like a parent has a dream for his or her children, so God has a dream for you and for me and for all of creation. And in creating our world, God wasn't dreaming about prisons or kidnappings or wars or child abuse or racism or greed or poverty or exploitation. Those are the nightmares of God. See, nightmares of God helps us to understand sin then, doesn't it? That when we have a broken relationship with someone or when we bring harm to others or we bring harm to ourselves, we're living a nightmare. And it's God's nightmare as well. Because God has a dream for you and God has a dream for me and God has a dream for the whole world. 
Martin Luther King Jr. famously had a dream speech. It was and it is a compelling dream, and it's up on the, a part of, a, part of his uh, speech, probably the most famous part is up on the screen, and where he says, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. And then he goes on, and I'm not going to read it all to you, but he says the last line, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And why was King's dream so compelling? Why is it still compelling today? Because it's part of God's bigger dream for humanity. God dreams about unity and togetherness and justice. And God's dream is a freedom from oppression. God's dream is transformation. God's dream is freedom for all people. God's dream is that a person would be seen by their character and not their skin color. God's dream is that they would be seen by their character and not their preference or their gender or their orientation. That God's dream is for all of humanity and all of creation is to be creative and kind and generous and peaceful and diverse and united and in harmony. And to see all of heaven and earth filled with Jesus. That's God's dream. That everywhere and everything and all things, Paul says, that everywhere and everything and all things be filled with with Jesus. So let me wrap this up with the message version of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 23. It says this, the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. So the church plays a key role in God's story of restoring all of creation. And like Frodo, there's this bigger story that we're all part of. The church is Church is not only something I come to on Sunday, it's something I live out on Monday. But hold on, let me kind of unwrap that a little bit. Every Sunday, when we gather here or in Voorhees, that we are gathering as the church to share our adventures from, from the previous week and to celebrate our God who we believe is part of this gathering. So while we may be excited about seeing our friends, that's a good thing, we should be equally or more excited about seeing Jesus here in the community center. John Mark McMillan, who's written lots of songs, many of them we sing on Sunday morning, he says this, I guess my point here is that I believe worship is foremost about sharing your life with your maker. And then he puts in parentheses, and his people. Not just reciting facts back to God that he already knows about himself anyway. So I want you to know that we miss you when you're not here, and you miss when you're not here. See, we go to church so that we can learn how to be the church. And the church is not complete when we're not present. And so every Sunday is a gathering of the church so that we can be with our maker, as John Mark McMillan says. And every Sunday is a launching of the church. That God's dream community that gathers together in this space 
then moves out into the world, filling everything with his presence. That God's dream community is living in the world as an example to the world. That the kingdom is near and the kingdom is here. And we bring unity and justice and transformation and freedom with us in all the spaces that we gather and meet. It's taking Sunday into Monday and beyond. So some thoughts on this as I wrap up here is that every Sunday is a gathering and a launching. It's a gathering and a launching. And when we're launched, we're sent out to see God's dream for you and for the world and for humanity to come true. So how does that happen? Here's one way. So uh, the first Saturday in April, April uh, 6th, we're doing something right here in this space called Build a Bunny. Yeah, we totally stole it. All right, and uh, we're doing Build a Bunny. We're going to give, Chris Graves found, we're going to give everybody, uh, every kid, a little empty bunny. We're calling them bunny skins, but that sounds really creepy. Uh, but we're giving them bunny skins. And then they're going to take that bunny skin, and then they're going to stuff it with stuffing, and they're going to stuff it with those little hearts, and they're going to write the, bear, uh, the bunny's name on it and stuff it in there, and it's going to be a really sweet thing. Now, here's where the church is bringing Jesus into everything and everywhere we go, is that on a flyer, I just emailed the library across the street, and I said, we're doing this thing called Build a Bunny, and we're inviting the community to do this. Would you like to partner with us? And they said yes. So the library is going to be our partner, and they're going to invite folks from Mount Laurel and the surrounding communities that come in and build a bunny. And what are we going to do? We're going to be there with them. And we're going to bring Jesus into that space. And we're going to be salt and light. And we're going to bring unity, and we're going to bring harmony, and we're going to bring this love of Jesus just with our presence to the men and women who will be there building bunnies with their kids. So some people in some places are living a nightmare of God. Broken homes, broken relationships, broken finances. And we bring and fill everything with Jesus' presence when we're there. And so that means where we live, where we work, where we study, where we play, we bring Jesus with us, fulfilling God's dream. That's why invitations are so important because that's an announcement that the kingdom is here, that the kingdom is there, that the kingdom is coming. And each of us has this unique sweet spot. See, I'm a pastor, so I bring Jesus differently to different worlds than teachers do and different than engineers do and different than managers and attorneys and fill in the blanks. But we all bring Jesus with our different gifts and passions and burdens and life experiences. Whether we're in a diner or the library or the lunchroom at work. Because the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. Let's pray together. And so God, I thank you for this time. And I thank you, God, for the way that you speak to us through your scriptures. And I pray, God, that as we spend these moments celebrating communion together, God, that we would know that you love us, 
beyond our imaginations and that your desires for the church to go, to meet, to gather, to worship, and to go and fill the world with Jesus. And so God, we thank you for this time. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.